Amen. All right, well, here we are in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. If you have your Bibles, your tablets, whatever you got, open them up. Luke chapter 8, we're going through quite a bit of Scripture today, actually. Three main sections that I'm going to talk about. And we'll start in the first section, then we'll go section 2, section 3. But we're going to do verses 16, 17, and 18. And if we could actually, we've been doing the reading out loud together thing uh, on the app, the Bible 2020 app. I, I love that. But let's go ahead and read it together today. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Caleb Kaitonin was here last week. That was a phenomenal day, an incredible message. And he highlighted this passage a little bit. But I, I wanted to speak and dive a little deeper into it because it's a part of a larger message, a, a, larger, a larger theme that the Lord Jesus is trying to give us in this chapter. And I'll explain a little bit later how it fits into the larger story, uh, including the sower that we talked about last week, but then also the story of Jesus' mother and his brothers that is actually going to follow right after this. But Jesus is making a point. He's, he's making a point. And, and what's the point? He's talking about this lamp. He's talking about the light of the lamp. But what is the lamp? The lamp is simply God's truth, right? The lamp is his word. The lamp is his teaching. The lamp is him. It's the truth of his word. It reminds me of a song we used to sing. Go ahead and put it up, Psalm 119. Presbyterians in the house, you would know this one. Sing it with me if you know it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sing it again, yeah. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my And now I'm cutting you off, and that's awkward because it's getting to the good part, but we've got to move on. It reminds me just a little bit of these lamps that we got in Israel. Uh, anyone remember Israel, right? What town was this from? Shout it out. Nazareth. We had these lamps in Nazareth. We also ate amazing bread, homemade bread. And Do you guys remember the bread in Nazareth? That was amazing. Next time we go to Israel, please sign up and come along on the journey. But this is a little lamp, this little lamp of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It's amazing in the dark how impossible it feels like to really see. Right? To see anything. And yet, I just want you to hear this. The truth of His Word is a lamp unto your feet. Amen? Amen. All right. Stop smoking. Ah! His truth illuminates the darkness, right? Does that make sense? His truth. Do you think this world needs a little bit of his truth? <laughs> do you think I need a little bit of his truth? Yes. You can say yes to that. I do. His truth illuminates the darkness. And how we handle the word of God, how we handle the light of his truth, it matters. Did you know that? How we live, it actually matters. What we do with his light, it matters. Because his teaching, Jesus, he illuminates the truth. 
Go ahead and put those scriptures back up, 16 through 18. In, in a world, again, that is so confused about truth and what it even is, his word illuminates truth. But it also, church, it exposes the darkness. It exposes the darkness. It exposes that which is hidden. There's nothing hidden, right? He says there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. Nothing concealed. Nothing that's going to stay unknown. Everything is being brought out into the open. We just got to understand that with Jesus, he's illuminating the darkness. His word, his truth, his light. That's what it does. Well, if that's true, then how do we, how do I respond to the light? What do we do with Jesus? You ever think about that? What do we do? Especially for those of us that are Christians, those that have seen the light, that have said yes to the light. What do we do with it? What, What do we do with Jesus? When we read the Bible, when we read his teachings, do we respond in obedience? You know, where it convicts us, and it challenges us, it exposes things within us. And so we're like, yes, and we walk deeper into the light. We run into the light. We even begin to share the light with others. Or do we hide it? Do we cover it? Do we run away from it? How do we respond to his light? Kind of got me thinking, and, and that's a dangerous pastime, I'm told. But it, it made me think about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that was a Beauty and the Beast reference. <laughs> Conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is not a real exciting topic for anyone to hear um, because it's convicting. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> I got you all nervous now. I love this. But the Holy Spirit, do you know how good He is at revealing the truth to us? Like it's who He is. It's His very nature. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He says in John 16, verse 13, he says, the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of what? Of truth. The Holy Spirit, the the spirit of truth. He's better than anybody else I know. Like if it was a job, he's got this job cornered. Like he knows what he's doing. He's better than anyone ever at revealing and exposing the darkness. He's the spirit of truth. That's what he does. He's always pointing us to the truth. Why why would you say he exposes the darkness? Well, think about this. What is his job? What is the Holy Spirit's job? He is always illuminating who? Who's the guy that he's always pointing us to? Jesus. That's that's part of who he is. He is always pointing us to Jesus. And what is Jesus? Jesus is light. He's light. In fact, Jesus is perfection, right? He is the Son of God, Son of Man, perfect in all his ways. And the Holy Spirit is always revealing us who? Jesus. I love what he says in John 14, he says, the Holy Spirit, this helper, this one that will come alongside you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father is going to send in my name, Jesus says, he's going to teach you how many things? All things. Come on. And he's going to bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Okay. He's going to remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us and his teachings and everything he said. Well, man, like, that's great, right? When I'm walking in obedience, when I'm, you know, walking with the Lord and following Jesus, and just the Holy Spirit just keeps on reminding me about Jesus and the truth of Jesus and the light of Jesus, and I'm walking in the light as He's in the light. But then that can all be a little bit different, can't it? Maybe even a bit challenging, don't you think, when I'm walking in rebellion? Ah. Right? When I'm living in sin, 
So here I am, or here you are, walking in rebellion and walking in sin. But do you think the Holy Spirit has changed? He hasn't changed one bit. The Holy Spirit, what is He doing? He's still pointing us to Jesus. He's showing us to the light. He's showing us to the truth. He's reminding us of all the teachings of Jesus. He's bringing to remembrance all the things that Jesus has ever said. And so then what happens? We often begin to feel convicted. Right? And we call that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I think conviction has always been an interesting thing for me as a pastor because I get to see this played out in so many people's lives. That when conviction comes, this is the way I think about it, when conviction comes, you have a choice to make. You might even want to write that down. When conviction comes, I have a choice to make. When things are exposed, when things are brought out into the light, we can either, by God's amazing grace and His compassion and His mercy, we can move Toward the light, in humility, in submission, we just allow the Lord to bring a full healing and restoration, transformation into our lives, right? The change that He desires to bring with His light. Or we can respond to that conviction by hiding, by running, by shrinking back, by covering. I get to see that played out quite a bit in ministry. I've seen both of those responses played out again and again and again. So the question again is, What is your response to the light? It's a great question. What is my response to the light? And Jesus goes on. He says, so consider carefully how you listen. It matters. Consider carefully how you listen. How you listen to the truth of his word. It matters. How you respond to his word. How you respond to to His Holy Spirit, to His voice, it matters. Whoever has, will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Our response matters. The theologian Stephen Cole, he says this about this verse. He says, if we respond obediently, we will receive more light. But he says, if we shrink back, what light we thought we had will be taken from us. How do we respond to the light? The subject, by the way, it shouldn't just be a big deal to us. Um, it, it's actually a big deal to Jesus. It, it matters to Jesus. In fact, you're going to see it in the very next story. Keep your Bibles open, your phones open. We're going to go to verse 19. In verse 19, this one is a great story, by the way. It kind of ruffles our feathers just a little bit. He says uh, his mothers and his brothers come to Jesus. But they're said uh, they can't get to him. Like the crowd is you know, happening. Jesus is popular. They can't get to him. So someone says, hey, Jesus. Your family is here, right? Your mother, your brothers, they're standing outside. They want to see you. And Jesus says, oh, well, make, you know, part the Red Sea. Get them in here. No, he doesn't say that at all. In fact, he says, verse 21, my mother, my brothers are those who, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hear God's word and put it into practice. Do you see a theme developing? It's there again, isn't it? Last week, they talked about the sower. Remember the sower, he said, the seed that was thrown onto good soil are those who hear the word and retain it, persevering, producing a crop. Hearing the word and retaining it. Then we just talked about how those who carefully listen, carefully listen and they respond to the word of God, they're given more. And now we hear that those who hear God's word, put it into practice, are the family of God, are the mother, the brothers of Jesus. Again, do you think listening to Jesus, do you think doing what he says matters? And here Jesus, I think he's making a point that it's not just about hearing the word of God, right? It's about doing what it says. James talks about that, doesn't he? 
Don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but what? Say it with me. Do what it says. Do what it says. I don't know about you, but hearing all of this, it kind of makes me want to examine my life. Anyone maybe feeling that stirring in your heart? Holy Spirit's here, right? Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, He's here. What a good time. What a good time for us to say, God, here I am. Here's my heart. I don't, I don't want to be known as someone who's hiding or covering or running away. I don't want to be known as someone who's just kind of walking in sin and walking in rebellion, walking in disobedience. I don't want any of that. Do you? No way. I want the truth of His Word, as scary as it might seem, I want His truth to examine my life. Jesus. Right? It's just in a, in a humble posture. It's a submitted, surrendering posture of saying, Jesus, I am tired of living for my own ways. I want you to expose the darkness in me. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this, about us examining and allowing the Lord to examine us, even to convict us. This is what he says. He goes, those who do not think about their sins make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. That's so good. Do you know anyone like that, right? But he says it is healthier to think of one's own. A, listen, he's, he's a good writer. He says, a serious attempt to repent and really to know one's own sins is in the long run a lightening and believing process. Of course, he writes, there is bound to be first dismay, often terror, and later great pain. Yet that is much less in the long run than the anguish of a mass of unrepented, unexamined sins lurking in the background of our minds. So I want to pause here, church, because in our American church culture, we're not always so good at practicing a posture or an attitude that says, expose the darkness in me, word of God, light of God, illuminate the darkness, examine me, right? We love telling other people what they're doing wrong. Like, we're, we're good at that. But when was the last time you gave the Lord permission to work in the corners of your heart? I want to ask Nicole and uh, Micah to come back up and that we would come into agreement with the psalmist. This is what the psalmist writes. Search me, God, and know my heart. Say that with me, church. Search me, God, and know my heart. Say it with me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Spirit of truth, see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to shine. I don't know about you, but I want to shine. As a member of his family, I want his light to shine in me, but also through me. I want the world to see the light of Christ in me. Anybody else? Like, just come on. Like, we want to see the light of Christ shine in us and through us. And so we're going to sing. And as we sing, you can stay seated if you want. You can kneel. You can stand. I'm going to come back up. We're, we're going to finish the, the service and the sermon. But could we just allow the Lord to search our hearts, examine our lives, that we would, in obedience, place our lives under the authority of God's word.
together, church. We just want you. Nothing else. Yes, Lord. Nothing else. The light of who you are would expose the darkness. The darkness would have to flee. And we receive all that you are, Lord, in our lives. Every corner of our lives. Our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Radiating the glory of God, radiating the light of Christ. That's our prayer. We want you. We want you. And Lord, we don't come into this posture of arrogance or pride or self-righteousness. But we come in humility. Thankful for your grace, your mercy, your compassion. Knowing that as much as we want you, you want us. That you love us. And you want to shine in us and through us. And your conviction comes not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but your conviction comes to set us free, to lead us into the abundant, joy-filled life that you've called us to live. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Micah and Nicole. All right. If you have your Bibles, verses 22 through 25. This is a fun one. Jesus calming the storm. This, you know, uh, children's class. You ever taught children's class before? It's one of the more fun ones, right, to, to do. Uh, Jesus calms the storm. Because there's water, there's boats. You, you can even put in little animal, sea animals in the water if you want. Um, add a whale, whatever you need to do to make it fun. But Jesus calms the storm. Here we go. One day, Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He says, hey, guys, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They said, okay. Go in the boat, set out. They sailed, and then Jesus falls asleep. Oh, Jesus, falling asleep. A squall came down on the lake. The boat swamped. They're in great danger. The disciples go to him, wake him up, say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Okay, they probably didn't say it like that. That was really boring. Master, Master, we're going. They're like, Master, Master, we're going to drown. That was probably a little bit more realistic. What did Jesus do? He got up, he rebuked the wind, the raging waters, the storm subsided and all subsided and all was calm. Hallelujah. He says, Where is your faith? In fear and amazement they asked one another, Who is this? 
he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So before I continue, uh, we're lucky today. Uh, we actually have a video account of uh, this, this story. So let's go ahead and watch this together. Braden Bergen, way to go. You, you made the video. But it was mid-40s. We had the temperature gauge, and it was mid-40s in there. What, what, you don't, what you didn't hear is at the end, I tell Ryan, act happy. Because <laughs> it was cold. Oh, so Jesus falls asleep. Oh, boat is swamped. They're in great danger. You might want to write that down. Jesus falls asleep. The boat is swamped, and they are in great danger danger. The reason I say write that down, because this isn't just imagined, right? They're not just overreacting. The boat is swamped. They are actually in danger. Have you ever faced a storm before? Uh, are the Kuykendalls here? The, Debbie, yeah, Debbie and Alan, they've faced a storm. In fact, the storm caused the tree to fall through their living room, right? You, you remodeled the living room. And uh, then I asked Alan, I go, yeah, right, a tree fell on your house, right? And he said, three different times a tree <laughs> fell on his house. So you guys know what it's like to, to go through a storm. Have uh, you ever been to Ocean Shores during a storm? I love Ocean Shores, and I love Ocean Shores during the storm. I have a video of my van being stuck at the beach uh, at the storm, but that's a painful video to watch, so I'm not going to show that one. But we do have one from the year before that uh, over at Ocean Shores. <laughs> face a storm and it wasn't an actual weather event like that but as you've looked at your life right 
Does that make sense? Storms of life. Have you ever gone through your life, gone through the, the things of life, and you said, man, like it feels like I am walking through a storm. In fact, probably some of you are like, Pastor Dan, I'm walking through that storm now. Don't raise your hands on that, but obviously there's many of us in this room that could say, I am walking through a storm now. And isn't that interesting? Like people can tell you to relax. People can tell you, hey, you know, stop freaking out. But you know that you're being swamped. And you know that it's dangerous. You ever experienced that before? I I just want you to encourage you. The disciples, they can sympathize with you. Because in this story, they're feeling that big time. And again, this isn't imagine. This isn't make-believe. They go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we are going to drown. And again, sometimes that's an actual storm. Sometimes that's just the storm of life. And it feels that way, doesn't it? Like, can we just get honest for just a second? In the storm of life, does it ever feel like you're going to drown? Jesus got up. Praise the Lord. He got up. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the raging waters. And the storm subsided. Dave Jordan, who's been leading our men's group on Thursday nights, we'd love to have you guys come, 6 o'clock Thursday night. But he he led a group with... uh, Francis Chan did a series on the Gospel of Mark. This was last year. And, and Dave led us through this passage, uh, Mark, uh, but he did it through Mark, in Mark chapter 4. And, and in Mark chapter 4 39, we'll put it up on the screen so you guys get a picture of what Mark records about Jesus. He says that he rebuked the wind, but then he spoke to the waves and he said, say it with me, quiet, be still. And guess what happened? The wind calmed down. It was completely calm. Listen to what the study guide, I love what it writes, and uh, I asked Steve Schell to read through this and see if it was uh, theologically correct, and he said yes. Actually, he believes this is what's going on. So two points for us and Francis Chan if Steve Schell agrees, because he's awesome. But listen to what they, they write, and they're talking about some of the Greek words here. He says, The account of Jesus calming the storm is one of his most famous miracles in all the Gospels. However, some of the terminology that Mark uses... To describe the scene parallels a previous miracle. Mark 4.39 that we just set up on the screen says that Jesus rebuked the wind and commanded the sea to be still. The exact same terms appear back in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus heals the man possessed by a demonic spirit. Which may imply some sort of evil presence magnifying the terror of the storm described here. Mark frames the calming of the storm like an exorcism. Jesus speaks to the elements and they listen. The term translated be still can also literally read be muzzled as though the weather were a disobedient animal forced to submit to the command of his owner. I find that very, very interesting. I was thinking about some of the storms in our lives and I think way too often we forget, I forget that these storms might have a spiritual component. Now, I know that there are people who over-spiritualize everything, right? They're casting demons out of everybody, even the tuna fish sandwich. I mean, I get that, and I I don't want to be that person. It's just tuna. But I would say most of us, if that was one end of the spectrum, most of us, come on, we're on the other end of the spectrum, where we forget that we live in a spiritual world. Did you know that we live in a spiritual world? That that spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he is actually leading us through a world that is full of evil spirits? 2 Corinthians 2 tells us that Satan, he's scheming. He's scheming. Here, scheming. 1 Timothy tells us that evil spirits, they're deceiving. Not somewhere out there, but here, deceiving. 
2 Corinthians 4 says that the God of this age, He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So there's spiritual forces at work in this world. Do we believe that? It's hard at times, right? I just want us to hear this. I'm not talking about a movie. Like we're all about it in Lord of the Rings or something like that. But I'm not talking about a movie. I'm not talking about a fantasy novel. I'm not talking about a fable. But this very real world that we are in, this tangible world, do we believe that the evil spirits are actually around? Do we believe that this rebuking the storm, that it actually happened? Or is it just a story, a fantasy, fairy tale fiction? In Ephesians 6, listen to what Paul says about all this. Verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord. He says, be strong in his mighty power. He says, put on what? The full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Did you know how much the devil hates you? And he is scheming against you. But we stand right in the might of God, strong in the Lord, full of the armor of God. So we can, what, take our stand against the devil's schemes. And what does he say? Verse 12, for the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, you know, sometimes the storm comes and you just need an umbrella. (laughs) Because it's raining. And that's what you use when it's raining. But other times, when the storm comes, You need to take your stand. And in the power and authority that you have in the mighty name of Jesus, you put on the full armor of God. You take your stand against his schemes, against his deception, against his lies, his accusations, and you say, in the name of Jesus, peace be still. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke any demonic spirit that is trying to torment. I rebuke any demonic element that is trying to kill, steal, or destroy. I I rebuke the demonic spirit that is trying to deceive in the mighty name of Jesus. Mary and I, we've had this happen a few times in our walk with Jesus. And I'd like to think that Mary and I aren't too crazy, right? I've met some crazies, but we're somewhere in the normal spectrum, whatever normal means. But, (laughs) but... We've had times, and, and I hope you hear me out. I hope you don't just discount what I'm saying because you're like, man, you're going to crazy world. But just listen to me. We've had times when all of a sudden we realized we've had to discern with the discernment of the Holy Spirit I, that demons, and you hate even talking about this, but demons were trying to have their way with my kids. Whether it's night tears or other things along those lines, and again, you've got to use a whole lot of discernment, right? You've got to pray through this. Because sometimes they're having a bad dream because they ate Taco Bell, right? Like, it's, it's, you know, that happens too. <laughs> but other times, the Lord has shown us that something else was going on. And if, if you're a parent, you, you maybe have done this, right? And you just, you just pray over your little one. I can't tell you how many times we've done that. And, and my little ones, they're not here right now. And, and, and so I, I just want you to know there would be times when we just... Lay our hands on them. And we'd pray in the Spirit. We'd pray in a heavenly language. And we'd pray in the name of Jesus. And, and it wasn't a fearful thing. It wasn't an anxiety thing. It was actually a sweet moment in the presence of the Lord. And we'd command anything that is not of God. Anything that isn't of the love of God. 
anything that is trying to affect my little one, that we rebuke that. We rebuke that unclean spirit. Any spirit, any spirit that's other than the spirit of truth, God's perfection of His light, of His truth, any spirit, you are not welcome here. You're not welcome here. And again, you don't do it in fear. You don't do it you know, freaking out. You do it confidently in the name of Jesus. Don't you love that? Our prayers are not just some pipe dreams like, well, maybe it might. No, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you with this. And again, you don't have to make it weird, right? You don't have to get all super spiritual. You don't even have to have it sound, you know, like, oh, Father in heaven. Like, just speak the name of Jesus over your little one, over your family, over your house. Take the power, take the authority that you have in his name. Because I love Jesus when he awoke from the nap. He didn't say like, you're right, we are going to drown. Ah, save yourself. No. <laughs> no, he didn't freak out. He didn't panic. What, is, what does the Bible say? He says he got up. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the raging waters. The storm, storm subsided and all was calm. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, where's your faith? Don't you want to be a person of faith? I was reading that this week. I was like, God, I, I want to be a person of faith. When that storm comes, I, I want my faith to rise up. Right? Because the storm, by the way, will come. My boss always told me back in the day, he goes, you're either coming out of one or going into one. Right? The storms of life, they're going to come. But let's rise up in faith in these moments. Believing that storm, yeah, though raging, though dangerous, it's not going to overtake us. In Jesus, we will not drown. That's hard. I mean, that's so easy to say, right? That is easy to be up on a pulpit with a light shining and like, in Jesus we overcome. But we're talking about at 2 in the morning when you're freaking out and you don't know what to do. And you say, in the name of Jesus, I believe I will not be overcome. I will not drown. Nobody, nothing is taking the life away from me that I have in Jesus. And anything that is trying to attack me or my family must leave in the name of Jesus. We rise up in faith. We put on the full armor of God, in the power of God, and in the name of Jesus, we speak against the storm. And so I, I want to invite the worship team up, because whether you're facing a literal storm right now or a figurative storm, I pray that all of us would be able to have these tools, have this confidence in the Lord, to be able to speak in the name of Jesus. Because as we do, watch what your God will do. Our God, He brings peace to the storm. And so we're singing a song, and, and as we do, I just want us to practice this. And in fact, would you stand up with me? Again, we don't have to make this weird. But I just want to encourage you. I want you to leave here in confidence. I want you to believe that this is more than just a story. Aren't you tired of just thinking that Christianity and the Bible is some ancient story? It's a living God yeah. who's moving in power even now, and that we can take what He has given us, which is the full armor of God and the power and authority that's in His name. We can trust in Jesus. Do you believe and trust that Jesus is bigger than the storm? Now, yes, but kind of, right? Like, have you ever been a human before? When the storm comes, you're like, I don't even know. What do you say in that time? What, what's your prayer? Your prayer is, Lord, help me believe in my unbelief. Help me believe. There's always a prayer. Even in your, when you're freaking out, God, God, I'm freaking out. I need you to even right now give me faith for this moment. Faith for you and what you 
could do in the middle of this storm. And so we're going to just sing this song. And if there's any spiritual component to what you're walking through, if there's any evil, if there's any demonic uh, that is opposing you or trying to harm you, that as we're singing this song, that you would speak in confidence. In the name of Jesus, peace be still. We don't need fancy words in this place, church. We don't need elegant and long speeches. We need Jesus. So take the power and authority in His name. Watch what God will do. Hallelujah.